Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to the post-Pittsburgh Steelers-Minnesota Vikings Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar with you, along with Judd Zolgad. Judd, how are you? I'm good. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing better than the Minnesota Vikings offensive line did today. Um, It was not a very good performance, Judd, around Case Keenum. We found out just about an hour and a half before the game that Sam Bradford would be inactive and that Keenum would get his first shot as the Minnesota Vikings starting quarterback. And I will tell you, Judd, my thought at that time was if the Vikings offensive line holds up and their defense plays the way it's capable of playing, they can have a chance in this game. Not a really good chance, but a chance. So the Vikings defense held up at times, and the offensive line, uh, let's just say they failed the test number two, going up against a much more talented Pittsburgh Steelers defense. And maybe this defense for Pittsburgh showed us just how bad the New Orleans Saints defense actually was for the Vikings to hold up such a clean pocket for Sam Bradford in week one. Yeah, I think if we cut to the chase, I think we can safely say that the Vikings played an incredibly stupid game. Yeah. I mean, this is, I can't, the first thought that comes to my mind after watching this game is some of this has to go on the head coach and his staff, right? I mean, the offensive line played poor, and I know the talker, and, and it should be, is going to be the Vikings quarterback situation, which looks bad right now and certainly could be a, a season-long problem. All that being said, though, just in this one game, I uh, I come back to the mistakes. I come back to a lack of preparation. And I, I was watching a game that Pittsburgh Steelers were very agreeable to allowing you either to A, win collar and or B, keep it close the entire game yeah. and push them. And I saw a Vikings team that, that won basically one week after playing a fantastic game against a bad team played an incredibly undisciplined, stupid game that is the that is the template for how if you don't want to make the playoffs, you cannot make the playoffs. Yeah, my first thought is to put it on a lot on the offensive line for giving Keenum no chance to throw whatsoever. But you're right, when you go down some of the other errors today, they are uh, numerous, uh, over 100 yards in penalties 
pass interference penalty on Trey Waynes that goes for 51 yards. Another pass interference that went for uh, 22 yards on Xavier Rhodes. Two holdings on Nick Easton. And the one that didn't make much difference in the game but still blows my mind is lining up over the center. I mean, this has been a rule for how long now? And and I can't believe that anyone still would make that mistake to line up in the wrong place on a field goal that it doesn't end up making any difference toward the final score, but what if it did? And then a missed extra point even by Kai Forbath, where you felt like the Vikings had a chance to get back in the game and it was going to be 17 to 10. And then even though it made it eight, it still felt like a much bigger margin at that point. Everything pretty much went wrong for the Vikings outside of Xavier Rhodes with a really, really good performance against Antonio Brown. Uh, despite a hip injury, he was very good. There was the one penalty, but that's about it. They tried to attack him early on, and it didn't work very well, and they had to go to Martavis Bryant. But even another error that we didn't know about initially, uh, when Martavis Bryant scored his touchdown, Mike Zimmer said that uh, they were lined up in the wrong position on that play, and something else went wrong. I mean, the list of things that went against the Vikings here, it's almost surprising that they only lost 26-9. Well, let's start in let's start in quarter number one when the oldest trick in the book fourth and one right oh yeah that's right that one what, even slipped my ben, mind what's Ben gonna do he's been in the league for a thousand years I know what he's gonna do he's gonna go to the line of scrimmage have no intention of running a play and he's going to try and draw maybe a young dumb defensive lineman to jump Brian Robinson who's about my age <laughs> bit on it I mean I, honest to God that to me collar set the temple for what we saw today i mean how on earth how on earth do you have a veteran lineman in the first quarter do that it makes zero sense and and that sort of started the ball rolling but i mean this game i'm i come back to this time and time again this was a winnable football game Mm -hmm. this pittsburgh team did not look fantastic they did not look great they're smart they're good I mean, they are certainly an improvement on the Saints, but I could put to get together a house league team with my dog right now and be more competitive than the Saints. And the Pittsburgh Steelers gave you every chance to stay in this game and keep it close, and you made stupid mistakes. You did dumb things. You had veterans who screwed up. And it's just I just came away from this game saying that if you don't put this on coaching, you never will. And it's not all Zimmer's fault, and it's not all the coaching staff's fault, but there were definite red flags here from a team that ended last year with sort of potential mutiny. And then we had a lot of, you know, come to Jesus discussions about how can we get things on the right page. This team today, to me, did not seem to be on the right page when it came to being smart. In fact, they weren't even close. Where I would give the Steelers credit is uh, two places. One, I thought that Cameron Hayward, he was what I thought he was, Judd. He very, yes. very good. An extremely yeah, yeah. disruptive player today. Yep. He was all over the place. He was a complete mismatch for the Vikings offensive line. When they tried to run the ball early in the game, they were just blown up time and time again. And the uh, the, the Steelers defense has a lot of talent. And, but again, they opened the door with TJ Watt going out. He showed that he's an explosive edge rusher that's tough to handle. But he goes out with an injury. And it should have kind of opened the door a little bit. Didn't really. Delvin Cook comes up with one big 25-yard run, but they didn't run the ball very consistently, which we knew they would have to do without Sam Bradford there. And then, as as you mentioned, all the issues that came up with 
mistakes by especially by players that like Robinson that shouldn't make those mistakes and now it comes to Mike Zimmer and like you said from last year how is he going to handle a meltdown like this because Mm -hmm. this this was kind of it reminded me a lot Judd of the Eagles game where you felt like you know the Eagles aren't playing that well you know I mean it wasn't like Ben Roethlisberger had an amazing game the other point though I wanted to give Roethlisberger credit for just hucking it down the field. This is a thing that good quarterbacks do. Aaron Rodgers does this. They just throw it down the field when there isn't much else there or they get the other yes. team offside because you, you get pass interference penalties all the time. And this is something that Sam Bradford does not do very often that I would like to, to see him do. But how will Mike Zimmer respond within the locker room to this team? Will it go to where they shore up some of these issues and get right back on track? Or are we going to see a repeat of what we had last year? I have no I have no feel for that now. You played so well against the Saints, and then today, and I mean, this is this is not a catastrophic loss. I mean, you've, you've now won one game and lost one game, and there's still 14 to go. I get all that. Uh, but it was just sort of baffling watching this game. And it's one thing if the Steelers just drill you. If you start uh, Keenum and you lose by 21 or 28 or 35, right, Collar? Mm-hmm. Then, then you basically just say, okay, we started our backup quarterback. He's not good. Your team, your team is superior to our team. But that's not the case here. So, yeah, I am. What I am very curious to see now is does Zimmer, is he able to – to take this and process it and not melt down and get mad. Does he melt down? Because, but, but there are, I will say this, he's walking a fine line this week in this sense. There are a lot of things to fix. I mm-hmm. mean, you can't, you can't go in and watch the tape and be like, Oh boys, we tried, we tried hard. No, you didn't. So, so it's a very fine line for where, where you're in week two. And if you completely go ballistic and melt down, I think you're going to get a, a lot of, veteran players who say okay here we go again a bunch of bs i'm checking out uh so the fine line he's got to walk is he can't lose his players but he has to tell them gentlemen if you go on the road and play like this you're going to lose a lot and by the way if you look uh cut color the vikings next two games are at home and i believe if you look at their schedule five of their first eight are at home Mm -hmm. and after that you go on the road and you basically don't come back and so if today sort of established in any way uh, the blueprint of how things are going to go on the, the road in the second half of this year, you are in a major trouble. Where I'm really interested to see if they can resolve the offensive line issues or if what Pittsburgh just put on tape is going to be what everybody else does. Because I think we saw a little bit of that last year where teams saw that they could take advantage. This is when they got some injuries when Harrison Smith or Anderson Dejo was out, or they could get Chad Greenway on the field and then take advantage of him. And as we went along and along and along, you saw teams getting the ball out a little quicker too. So the defensive line didn't have quite the same impact. So, so these teams are always adjusting to what they see on tape and yep. what they would have seen on tape today, and, and I'll have to go back uh, once they release the coach's tape and really look through what happened on the offensive line, but I suspect it was confusion in a lot of situations. And then the speed of the edge rushers is going to be a problem for Mike Remmers. 
I, th- I don't think Mike Remmers can handle really quick edge rushers on the outside. And Bud Dupree is not some sort of great player. He's not Vaughn Miller. And he just walked around Mike Remmers for an easy sack there. I, I mean, that just is should be very disturbing. And early in the game, it happened a couple times to Riley Reef too. And, and in the middle, Nick Easton could be a problem at left guard. I mean, if, if we oh, could, I agree, yeah. If we go on with this now, I don't disagree with the uh, decision to move on from Alex Boone, but only in the case that you are really uh, secure with Nick Easton at left guard. And I didn't think he was great against New Orleans, and I really didn't think he was very good at all today, especially with the two holding penalties. But he got blown up several times. So how are you going to make up for that, and how are you going to protect uh, Mike Remmers from getting beat the way that he was beat? Yeah, as far as the line goes, if they can, uh, if they can all play together, I'm going to give them about four games. And so, I mean, I'll I'll create a little bit of a grace period because these, this set of five didn't play together in training camp, essentially. And so today was today was disturbing. Monday was very good, um, but where but where you don't give them a grace period is dumb mistakes, right? You don't give them don't give them a grace period of saying, well, yeah, you're going to screw this up or that up. Uh, so as far as the continuity goes and playing against good defenses, I'll, I will certainly create some time uh, for them. But, but I mean, this all does stem back to the conversation that we had several times in the past week, Collar, about this. The Saints, listen, that Saints game uh, for one week was all we had, and it was impressive. But we kept coming back to the fact of saying the Saints defense is possibly awful, and it might be, and I think it is. So, so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that today is definitely this team as far as the line goes, and I wouldn't say that week one was. But these next two games are going to, to be very important. And Remmers, you know, keep in mind this is a guy the Vikings had at one time, and guess what? They thought so much of this guy when he was on their roster the first time around that they released him. Right. So, and you've been, and you've been saying since they signed him that you think that these two tackles. Uh, can be fine in run blocking, but when it comes to pass protection, they're questionable. And now, of course, the real issue becomes, if your two tackles are questionable in pass protection, what does that mean for your quarterbacks? Because with Bradford, I think we're talking about probably a season-long knee problem here, and if he does get back on the field and starts to get hit, guess what? He's going to be gone really quick. And that's, and my point is being, when and if he does get back. Well, I want to talk a lot about that in just a second, but one more thing from this game today. Uh, When the Vikings traded for Tremaine Brock, they did so because they were concerned about Mackenzie Alexander and how he looked in the preseason, and that's why we saw him in the fourth preseason game, which is very, very rare, and then he didn't exactly show off to anybody by getting a bad penalty in that game. He was good against New Orleans in his first appearance, and I didn't notice him today which means probably he was all right when he got in the game for a few snaps. Uh, but, you know, after watching what Trey Wayans has done in these first two weeks, Judd, it's yep. fair to wonder if they got Tremaine Brock because they were worried about Alexander, but he might end up playing instead of Trey Wayans if this trend continues because Martavis Bryant completely took advantage of Wayans today on a couple of big throws, the one pass interference, uh, the other one that went deep down the field that, that ultimately led to a field goal. 
And yep. we saw it against New Orleans, too, that Drew Brees went 9 for 10 when throwing at Waynes. And I gave him a little bit of a pass because when I went back and looked at when those throws happened, a lot of them were late in the game. New Orleans was trying to come back. They were way down. But today, that was not the case. And they attacked and took advantage of Waynes. And I think as we saw this uh, year, too, so far in these first two games, they're not going to be able to just play Terrence Newman on guys. I, no. I, I don't think that that's the option. I think they need Trey Waynes to play well. Terrence is 39 years old. It's not fair. If, right. If you don't, if you come to the conclusion, if you sit down and you're the Viking coaching staff, if you come to the conclusion that Newman has to play on a regular basis, that's your fault. I mean, the man is 39. He should be spotted in. God bless him that he can still play. But to ask him to play a large amount of plays is a rather aggressive ask. Uh, the thing that, that concerned me today about uh, Waynes as well, and I saw this quite a bit in the second half when, when they showed uh, replays, how much he just grabs, too. Yeah. I mean, he, he puts himself legitimately, I would say, he puts himself to get called for defensive holding and or a PI once every three plays. I mean, when you see him behind a play, he's grabbing. And, I mean, that that's his first default. And what worries me about that is he's, what, now four years in, three yeah. years in? So, you know, if we're talking about a first-year guy, maybe second, I completely get that. Because in college, if you grab, you you don't get called quite a bit for it. But in this league, they are dying to call that. So, yeah, there's a, I, I was concerned, and he didn't even get called consistently for it, but I was concerned when I saw him doing that. Because in this league, official study film as well, and it wouldn't be very hard to start saying, watch 26. And by the way, he don't have the, the cachet of 29, right? So right. that's not that's not something where they're saying, yeah, but it's it's Xavier Rhodes. They're saying, no, you know what? We're going to call the, this guy. So, yeah, that would, if I'm Zim, that concerns me a lot because eventually that's going to get exploited and called consistently, I think. All right, on the Sam Bradford front, after the game, Mike Zimmer very irritable when it came to answering questions about Sam Bradford. He said he'll be fine whether he comes back next week or in six weeks. It's not surgical. He'll be fine. Well, if he comes back in six weeks, that doesn't mean it's fine for right now. Uh, the, the fact, Judd, that Sam Bradford could not play because of a knee when he didn't even get hit against New Orleans Yep. I think should be a big concern. Can we also, can we start the conversation with this? And I am not passing blame here. I'm not passing fault. And in fact, I would argue that it is Mike Zimmer's job to mislead. Okay. Quote, Friday's press conference, when, when Bradford was listed as questionable with a knee problem, uh, and this is right around the time that I believe Schefter broke the story, that it was the surgically repaired left knee. Question, do you anticipate Sam Bradford will play on Sunday? Answer, I don't know. We'll have to see. I anticipate that he will. Yes. Mike Zimmer said today in his postgame media duties, Sam Bradford flat out could not play. All right? So let's dismiss he's fine. He's not fine. I mean, that is garbage. It's BS. And I don't blame the head coach because it's his job to mislead the mm -hmm. public and opposing teams. But he's not fine. And, and I thought that uh, uh, Glazer today on Fox had the most telling report when he said this is not the ACL. So we're not talking about the ACL is coming unhinged for a third time, which would be bad. This is wear and tear, swelling and cartilage damage that's been done to that knee because it's been through so much. We are talking about 
a season-long and potentially career-long problem here. We're not talking about, oh, he missed the Steelers game, but he's for sure back, oh, by the way, on turf a week from uh, today against Tampa Bay. We're talking about what's going to turn into a season-long problem with a guy who now has, and I think this is the safe word to say, has a chronic knee issue. Yeah, I don't think it's jumping the gun too much to say that this could be a long-term worry when it isn't something that happened during a game uh, necessarily. That it isn't, oh, that guy's helmet landed on your knee, so it swelled up and you'll just have to wait for that to go down and then you're good. It's just playing the game caused it to uh, make it so you couldn't start the next week because it was it was swollen and even watching Sam Bradford walk off the field on videos that were taken it was pretty clear that he wasn't going to be able to play and that he couldn't really move very well so now this week it ends up becoming and probably every week from here on out how's Sam Bradford's knee and what we might end up seeing here is well you get a couple of weeks here you get a couple of weeks there and then he's got to miss a game and then, you know, he plays two more games and then he's got to miss a game. And Judd, the uh, coincidence of the timing of an Ian Rappaport uh, report today <laughs> that Teddy Bridgewater is expected to be back through midseason, uh, that was not lost on me, Judd, the, uh, the timing of that report. It's funny, Collar. Uh, Vikings.com today, I went and searched it, and I can't find any, any reports on Sam's knee from NFL Network, or the Vikings. But you know what is posted up there? Ian Rappaport's report on Bridgewater. Hmm. So I, I'm just I'm scratching my head trying to think who could have leaked the fact that Bridgewater is way ahead of schedule and might be able to play as early as basically week eight, I believe. Oh, I know the Minnesota Vikings because they're trying because they're trying to, if nothing else, convince you and their fa- and themselves it might be okay. But if you want to know the seriousness of Bradford's knee problem, just look at the fact that the Vikings clearly leaked that to a league partner because they need to at least create the perception that things aren't falling apart at, at quarterback. And God bless this team. No matter what they do, things always seem to fall apart at quarterback. The The Bridgewater thing is particularly interesting to me because I mean he has come a really long way from what you see him doing in practice and things like that on the side and working out and at training camp he was throwing some footballs on the side and he was giving it you know a lot of uh, velocity when he was throwing the ball and yep. maybe there's a chance that he can come back and play if Sam Bradford is continuing to have these knee issues throughout the season but at the same time I'm pretty skeptical of how Bridgewater is going to be able to step back in after missing so much time I mean there's this reports that are out there that he can come back or maybe ready to come back but how many weeks of practice is, is he going to need? Because he's allowed to be in the, in the video room and things like that, but he's not yep. allowed to get out and practice with the team. So he's got zero reps of practice in this offense. I mean, we don't even know how well his knee will respond to actually playing, much less do we know how long it's going to take him to step back into this actual offense. Even if he is activated by week seven, can he play week seven? No, right? Not a chance could he play no. week seven. No. And we've seen what happens with quarterbacks uh, when they haven't played for a long time or 
haven't played in an offense or practiced that much, and, th- and then they go in, a lot of yep. times it doesn't work out that well. It, it worked out okay for Bradford last year, but he wasn't coming off a catastrophic knee injury and how exactly. many months away from the game. I was thinking of Carson Palmer when he had been away from the game and then got traded to uh, Oakland and started, and it was really awful. But, I mean, I have no confidence that Bridgewater would be able to step back in Game 7. So now you're looking at how far down the road will this have to go. And really what they have to do here is not think about Bridgewater. They have to think, let's hope that Sam Bradford can get back to 100% and give us as much as he can throughout this season. Yeah, I think uh, to, to right now have this discussion, after we saw late in the game uh, today on Fox, they showed – uh, Sam in pregame trying to basically move and to say he was hobbling his kind. Uh, so I think that the 100% notion is probably gone. I think what you have to do is say, can we get him back to 80% for instance? Can we get him out there at least semi-consistently? And But then but then the, the uh, conversation caller goes back to what you brought up, which is your two tackles and your O-line has to play great. Uh, but to to put any pressure on Teddy to me is a disservice to him mm-hmm. because, as you just said, we're not talking about a guy who ripped his ACL and might come back quick. We're talking about a guy whose leg blew up. And, I mean, he's a guy that – this is one where you're going to have to go to the doctors, I think, per- personally, and say, are you absolutely sure? I mean, right. don't just say, we think he can play. We're, ta- we're talking about probably as bad of injury as you can suffer to your knee slash leg. I mean, I always go back to the part where, where they legitimately discussed and told you publicly that there was fear of amputation. Okay, so I think the rea- I think the most realistic conversation that we can have right now is: Can you get Bradford back to a semblance of being able to play consistently this year? And if the answer is eh, I don't know, then you turn to yes, I hate to say it, but you did it today, Case Keenum. And that's your option. I mean, that that's it. And if Bridgewater can come back in December, God bless him. But I, I'm sorry, I still feel that if you throw Bridgewater back out there this year and you say, go to it, we need you, you're cooked. You're toast. And then, and then your decision ha- has to be, is this the smart move? Is trying to potentially make a playoff run with a guy who hasn't played in more than a year a smart move? Or do we have to be smart here and say, Bradford's knee is barking, it's been bad, and and Case is our guy. Um, but now we know, now we do know why nobody talked about a Bradford contract extension, right? Mm-hmm. This is why. Because everybody said, everybody must have privately held their breath and said, everything's great except for that knee. Yeah, you wonder if they knew there was any sort of knee issue or this just flared up or if they knew this could be a possibility. I I always was under the assumption that they figured, well, we've got the franchise tag. And in all honesty, the franchise tag is not much more money than Sam Bradford is making right now. I feel like people are terrified by this thing. They can't franchise tag him. They'll have no money. Well, you got rid of Alex Boone. That's 6.7 million. That kind of makes up the difference right there between the 18 he's making now and the 25 or so that the franchise tag would cost. So you've always got that looming, but Uh, The long term of this is how do you find out if Teddy Bridgewater can really come back or not, if Sam Bradford is healthy the rest of the season or not? Because 
if you're like you said, if you're asking Bridgewater to step in and lead you to the playoffs, well, how do you even know if he's ready to do that? You can't yep. hit him in practice. You can't give him preseason games or something. I mean, are you going to simulate people diving at his knees in practice to see if nope. if he can really move? I, I mean, that that's the hard thing for me. So I, I think a report like this from Ian Rappaport yep. makes people think. Oh, well, if this goes wrong with Sam Bradford, then Bridgewater can just come back and just take over the job. And I don't think that it's that simple. I think they have to just get down on their knees and, yeah, well, okay, that was, uh, that was inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a podcast. Go, go for it. They, Do it. Uh, they have to look up to the sky, Judd, and just hope that Sam Bradford's knee recovers. And then yeah. – they have to hope that this offensive line does not play like they did today against the Pittsburgh Steelers and give Sam Bradford an opportunity to throw. Because when he does, we saw against New Orleans, he can work the ball downfield and has an incredible arm and I think can lead this team to the playoffs still. But he's going to have to be in because Case Keenum is not going to win you many games that, uh, that he's going to be in. I mean, I, I ran the math on Case Keenum, his QBRs over the last 16 games, and yep. there, there were about five of them where he gave his team a legit chance to win. Uh, that's just not going to be good enough. What's your sense, uh, if, if we're going to attempt to uh, cut the line some slack for today's game, what's your sense about the amount of times the case, probably not being commu- uh, completely familiar with this offense, might have held onto the ball too long as well? Yeah, yeah there, were, there was some of that. Here. But, I mean, he's not, he's not great. And, he, listen, if Keenum has to play uh, the majority of this year for you, guess what? You're probably cooked. I, I mean, that's if Bradford can't come back, and if you're either trying to force Teddy back, which they have to be, as I said before, very careful about doing, or you have to say, you know what, Case is going to start. I think you're just about done. I mean, I don't, I don't see a scenario with what you need to get uh, from this offense caller i don't see a scenario in which you can comfortably and realistically sit here and say i can see a playoff berth with case keenum i just don't see it not with this schedule nope no nope. Not, no and i mean no. and and it's sad because this defense at times is really really good but i just don't see if our discussion previously was well if bradford does this and that and the offense is retooled towards him which it's been that discussion to me is realistic but now if you say Bradford can't play, Keenum is, is going to play, I just don't see – I don't see unless you drink purple Kool-Aid from here to eternity, and we know people who do, uh, I just don't see a scenario where you can say, yeah, you know what, playoff berth is probable. It's just not. Well, the one thing you, you point out about the offensive line is that backup quarterbacks generally do make the line look worse because the starter is more familiar with the offense. And Sam, yes. Sam Bradford is really good – at figuring out where pressure is coming from. He's very good at adjusting protections at the line. The way it works is the center calls out the protection. And if Sam Bradford disagrees and he wants something else, then he'll change it, right? Mm -hmm. And with Case Keenum, I don't think that he would have the confidence or maybe even just the the comfort or the IQ that Sam Bradford has to be able to change that as well. So there is probably some of that. It's also Pittsburgh's got talent, and they've been a good team for a very long time, and they have some really good players, and they were ninth in the league last year in sacks. They were, I think, 
somewhere in the top third range of quarterback rating against. So this is a pretty good defense that they were playing against. Um, yep. Tampa Bay, I don't think, is going to bring as much defensively next week. I mean, they might be better than they were last year, but um, if Case Keenum has to play, you might have a better shot at producing some points against them, but Tampa Bay's got a really great offense, so you don't really get ahead there. If it's Case Keenum in week after week, to your point, yet you aren't making the playoffs. It's pretty much that simple. And, and, but the the important, I think the most important thing off uh, the Steelers' loss today for the Vikings is this. You can't play dumb games. I mean, if you play a stupid, they played a stupid game today, and guess what? They never gave themselves a chance. And Pittsburgh's good, but Pittsburgh gave them chances. I mean, there were opportunities here uh, to cut the score, to make it close, to create breaks for yourself. And at almost every single turn, the Vikings are like, ah, nah. Oh, and by yeah. the way, by the way, real quick, the Kai Forbath PAT thing is a big deal. Kai, For- Kai Forbath has now missed two and two games. He's missed something like six, six point yeah. after attempts since signing here. I'm sorry, that's a huge deal. I mean, you don't sign you don't sign a guy to say, you know what we want? Make all your field goal attempts, and if you make the point afters, we we don't care. I mean, this is this has now gotten to be Blair Walsh. It's in his head. You need to think long and hard about this because you can't put yourself once again in the road in a position to pull the score closer and just miss the point after. All right, quick game of uh, agree or disagree, and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. Agree or disagree, Tremaine Brock is playing a significant role in the secondary by next week. Agree. Uh, Agree or disagree, Marshall Kane is back as our kicker after another week or two. Oh, agree. Oh, you think so? You know what's funny about that is that Marshall Kane was cut because he missed an extra point. And then now... Yeah, well, I should say this. I, I, I agree. I agree. There's a good chance that Kai Forbath is going to get himself cut very soon here. Agree or disagree? At some point, we see Rashad Hill playing right tackle. Oh, I love this question. <laughs> um, disagree. Too much pride. Yeah, I don't think that they will, especially since uh, Remmers. They have to keep him around at least through next year with his contract. So, Ricky. Ben- Benching Ricky him now would make sense. Ricky can't cut Boone and then allow the coaching staff to bench Remmers. It's too much of a uh, pride uh, uh, problem there. Agree or, problem. agree or disagree, Sam Bradford ends up with 13 or more starts this season for the Vikings. Oh, after what I saw today, uh, disagree. Wow, disagree. Uh, last one, agree or disagree, this Vikings defense versus the pass will not rank in the top 10 this year. <laughs> They're playing a lot of good quarterbacks and I'm starting to wonder. Uh, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to I'm going to say they get it right. Okay. All right. Well, that's been another game of agree or disagree and uh that's that will do it for us on the Purple Podcast. Highly, highly controversial today is all. I'll yeah. Say about that. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Well, Judd, I'm really surprised that there are uh, weird and crazy things keeping us on the edge of our seats covering the Minnesota Vikings. Aren't you very surprised? Never, Never happens. happens. Nope. Never happens. I mean, if the, if the if Zim takes the podium on Monday at Winter Park and says that Bradford is going on IR, I will be absolutely shocked. Actually. Actually, I won't be shocked at all. <laughs> it would be just there, another day at Winter Park. There is almost nothing that could shock you. After you went through... 
watching Brett Favre come back and a roof collapse. And last year, I saw Bridgewater go down and a guy hanging from a banner in the stadium uh, and a plane going off of the tracks. <laughs> there aren't too many things. There aren't too many things that would be stunning that could happen with the Minnesota Vikings. But uh, we will see what is up next for us, Judd. And I will be back podcasting with you on Wednesday. So look forward you to will that. will be. All, All right. right. Talk to you. Thanks, everyone.